This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. All of the seven redemptive names of God were redeemed, were fulfilled and completed in Jesus, which means not only did they apply to Israel to whatever degree they did, but they apply to you and me in the church. Now turn with me over to Numbers chapter 16. They come out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 15 tells us about how God identifies himself. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I mean, I believe that means, as I've already said, I believe that means that God healed them through the Passover, and he is their continuous healer. Now, 19 years go by. You know the story how they come to the edge of the promised land, and they refuse to, to believe God, and so they're condemned to spend 40 years in the wilderness. And, uh, and the Bible scholars tell us, and I don't have any way to, to verify this one way or the other, but Bible scholars tell us that 19 years go by from the time that they come out of Egypt or, or start their 40 years in the wilderness. I guess that's a more appropriate place to start counting. But 19 years or almost half the time that they're going to be wandering in the wilderness uh, occurs or goes by. And there's a certain guy by the name of Korah. And he stands up and he, he complains because Moses is trying to, he says Moses is trying to usurp a position among the people that he shouldn't have and, and all this kind of stuff. And bad things happen. Because uh, just to kind of give you the recap of the story, God separates Korah and his family and all the people of their uh, you know, extended family and so forth and the people that have joined themselves to them uh, in, in, this, uh, in this attitude and this um, uh, complaint against Moses. And Moses just stands up in front of the people and says, God's going to show you today who his man is. He says, if these guys die a natural death, if they just fell down like they had heart attacks, then people would say, well, that was just a coincidence. I guess they just got scared and fell down or something like that. But he said, if they die an unnatural death, then you'll know it was God. He said, if the ground swallow opens up and swallows them whole and then closes up on top of them, then you'll know that's God. Well, that's exactly what happens. And there were others that were joined to Korah in, uh, in their attitude against Moses that weren't there. And so a plague comes against them and, and 250 men that stood with Korah died at the same time. And then the Bible says that there were others that, uh, that spoke against Moses and, uh, and started complaining about Moses has killed the people and so forth. And uh, let's start reading in verse 44. Numbers chapter 16, verse 44. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces, trying to save the people of Israel. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly into, under the congregation. And notice this phrase, And make an atonement for them. And make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord, and the plague is begun. Now, we don't know what this plague is. But we know that God is judging the people for their sin against Moses. And so what is the answer for sin? Well, the Old Testament answer for sin was an atonement. You remember part of the rituals that God set up and established with the, the temple sacrifice or the temple rituals and so forth was the offering of the lamb one day a year on the day of atonement to make a one once a year sacrifice for the sins of Israel now atonement literally means to cover over and that's all that, the, that Israel could have under the old covenant that's all anybody could have was a covering over in other words there had to be some action taking place 
Usually it was the shedding of blood. Not in every case, but usually it was the shedding of blood. There had to be an action that was taken place, that took place, that God was able to look at the action and the sacrifice that was made on behalf of the people for the sins that he committed so he could look away from their sins and look at the action, look at the sacrifice. Well, Moses knows this. And Moses knows the only way to stop this plague, whatever it was, I don't know if it was sickness or disease. I think, I think it must have been to some degree. But whatever it was, it, doesn't, it, it speaks of it as a plague. The Bible identifies it as a plague. So whatever this thing was, God, or Moses knows that the only way to appease God is to do something about the sin. If he doesn't fix the sin problem, then nothing can, nothing can be done. This thing will wipe out all, all of Israel. So he tells Aaron to take a censer and put fire therein and incense. Now, in this case, the atonement was not the shedding of blood. It was an incense. And, he, and I assume this is because time is of the essence. They didn't have time to make a sacrifice. If he had done that, all of Israel would have died. So he says, take a censer and put fire therein. And go quickly unto the congregation and make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord and the plague is begun. Verse 47, And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 besides all that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. Now, what was this plague? I don't know if it was sickness or disease or not. I'm inclined to think that it was in some manner or or another, but people are dying pretty quick. So whatever this is, I mean, it's taking hold of people in a hurry. So whatever this was, it was judgment. It was righteous judgment for the sins of the people. Folks, you need to understand something. People have some kind of wrong ideas about God, how he's sitting in heaven waiting to catch people doing the wrong thing. If that were the case, we'd be gone already. God's not looking for a reason to pronounce judgment upon you. But sin must be answered for. Somebody's got to answer for sin. If not you, somebody in your place or as your substitute. And thank God that's what Jesus did. But in this case, the sin has to be answered for. Now, the people don't have to answer for it. Moses has has Aaron answer for it for them as a substitute or in their place. But what I want you to see is very simply this. When the action of the atonement takes place, God is able to look away from the sin and stop the righteous judgment upon the people. But notice the fact that it says twice in these scriptures, the plague was stayed. The plague was stayed. Now, what does that mean? That means that anybody that had this plague, if it was sickness or disease, anybody that had this plague was healed of it. It means nobody else died. Now, if there was one person among all these millions of people, if there was one person that, assume it was sickness of some type, assume it was something that was taking hold of them in a hurry, maybe it was, and and even if it wasn't sickness, it was something like that we would might. correlate or compare it to a stroke or, or something along those lines it had to be something physical had to be something physical because it's called a plague i mean if god's just snuffing people's lives out it wouldn't be called a plague would it the bible doesn't call the death of the firstborn in egypt a plague 
We sometimes refer to it as a plague, but it wasn't. It was the death of the firstborn. It was the angel of death that was going through and snuffing out people's lives. That wasn't sickness or disease. And so the Bible doesn't call it a plague. It calls it the angel of death that went through and overlooked the, the houses that had blood on the doorposts. So it has to be something physical. Has to be. I don't know what it is. And I, I, you know, I could guess just like you could guess, but who knows? But I do know this. I know for the Bible to be accurate and truthful when it said the plague was stayed, whoever had the beginnings of this thing had to be healed from it. That means not one person could have been left with any trace or hint or residuals from this plague, whatever it was. In other words, not only was the forgiveness of sin in the Old Testament type of the atonement, which everybody agrees is fulfilled in Jesus. Not only was there forgiveness of sin, but there was the stoppage of harm to the physical body. That's the only way it could be accurate when it says the plague was stayed. Now turn with me over to Numbers chapter 21. This is 20 years after this. This is toward the end. This is 39 years into their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Let's start reading in verse 4. It says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Egypt. That means to encircle it. And the soul of the people was much discouraged by the way. And the people spoke against Moses, against God and against Moses. Wherefore, here's what they said. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Folks, they're singing that same refrain 39 years later after God brought them out. Can you see why this generation had to die out if they're going to take the promised land? Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. In other words, we're tired of manna. Now, don't be grateful for what you've got. Complain about it. Verse 6, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Now, I, I really don't like this translation. It gives people the wrong idea about God. They were already in the wilderness where the Bible says was full of poisonous snakes or fiery serpents. The miracle is, how did they go for 39 years and these fiery serpents not get into camp? The answer to that is very simple. Only time they ever saw these fiery serpents is when they sinned against God and sinned against God and Moses by speaking against them. So they brought it on themselves. They're in a land that's filled with fiery serpents. When they step outside of the protection of God's word or, or disobey God's commandments or murmur against God, then that's when bad things happen. So what do they do? They murmur and murmur and murmur and murmur and murmur. This is just one of the means whereby their disobedience brought a curse upon them. So God didn't send the fiery serpents in that sense. He allowed it, but he didn't really have any choice because they rebelled against his word. Can you see that? That has to be true. God can't be on the making people sick side of the street and the healing people side of the street. If that were the case, then he's schizophrenic and you could never know what his will is. And faith begins where the will of God is known. If you can't know, and this is the big thing, this is the, the number one reason why many people never receive their healing. They don't become convinced that it's the will of God for them to be well. And the translators didn't help us with a lot of these verses. This is one of them in my opinion. So the Lord allowed fiery serpents among the people. Literally, the fiery serpents came in among the people. And they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. So we've got a physical affliction caused by their sin. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. They know what the problem is. They've learned this much in 39 years. 
Every time we mess up, bad things happen. You'd think that'd be an incentive for them to quit doing that. That doesn't seem to be the case. So they came and they said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord. Now, folks, I got to tell you, if it's the will of God for them to be bitten by the fiery serpents, who cares whether they sinned or not? Sovereignty of God, folks, will come up and say, well, God's behind all this stuff that happens. Then why did they, then why did the people attribute it to their own sin? They seem to understand how it worked. They didn't come to Moses and say, God, or Moses, you're going to have to ask God, why does he want this to happen to us? Why did God in his sovereignty send these fiery serpents among us? They knew exactly why they were there. They said, we've sinned. This is our fault. This is not God's fault. They didn't even attribute the fiery serpents to God. They said, we've sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Now, how is this going to happen? How is this healing and forgiveness? They've got two problems. One is the sin, and again, remember, sin has to be paid for. Man has to give God an opportunity to look at an action that's made as a sacrifice or a covering for sin so that God can turn away from looking at the sin itself. And so, therefore, righteous judgment can be stayed. So how's this going to work? Folks, the same answer is, is, it's the same answer every time. This is not some new way. It's not some mystery. Well, how are we going to find out from God what to do in this case? It's always the same answer. Sin has to be paid for. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So how is it going to be paid for? The Lord said unto Moses, verse 8, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass, that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. That doesn't speak of shedding of blood. Doesn't speak of the burning of incense. Verse 9, And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if any serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Notice what it says. It says that the key, the answer for both the sin and the sickness, the bodily affliction that's taken place because of their sin is the same solution for both problems. That is, anybody that looks on the serpent of brass If he beholds that, he shall live. Now, notice from from God's standpoint, healing in this case, just like in Numbers chapter 16, just like in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, healing in all of these cases, which is God's example to us of his attitude toward sickness and healing. In every case, healing is universal. 
It is not, however, unconditional. But it is universal. God said, whoever has been bitten by the snake, if he looks upon it, he shall live. Well, it's your choice whether to look, isn't it? In the same way, forgiveness of sins, what we know of redemption, forgiveness of sins is really an Old Testament term like atonement. Redemption is a New Testament term. Both, whichever word you want to use to describe it, the work of Jesus, the accomplished work of Jesus, is universal, but it's not unconditional. You remember in Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, David's writing the psalm by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, bless the Lord, uh, and, and forget not all of his benefits. Verse 2 tells us what the, two of those benefits are. He speaks of others, but we'll stop with the, the first two. Who forgiveth all our iniquities, who healeth all our diseases. Now, folks, is there anybody in the body of Christ that say that Jesus did not pay the price for everybody's sin? Even sovereignty of God, folks, won't argue that. They may, they may say that it's not God's will for everybody to be saved, but nobody argues that Jesus paid the price for everybody's sins. If you just happen to be on God's lucky list, then you're in good shape, sovereignty of God, folks say. If you happen to be one of the chosen, one of the elect, then you're in. Why? Because Jesus died universally for what we will call loosely the forgiveness of sins. He really died for more than that. Because under the old covenant, forgiveness of sins was the covering over. It was giving God something else to look at so he could look away from man's sin. Jesus didn't forgive us of our sins. He redeemed us from sin. Which means he didn't cover them over. He didn't give God something else to look at. He removed the sin of mankind by being made sin for us. He was being, he was, because his was righteous blood, a man's blood absent from sin, holy blood, in other words, he was able to make a one-time eternal sacrifice that removed sin and the punishment thereof from mankind. Well, who is that for? Well, the Bible says Jesus was slain from the foundations of the world for the sins of the world, the sins of all men. John said, behold, the Son of God, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's universal, isn't it? That's everybody, isn't it? But isn't the Bible pretty clear that everybody, not everybody will be saved? Well, how is it possible that Jesus died for everybody's sin, but not everybody's going to be saved? Well, the Bible says that there are conditions attached. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, tells us what those conditions are. Number one, the first condition is you've got to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, what does that imply? That implies that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And then secondly, God raised him from the dead. That's what's implied or that's what's meant by to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. You got to know why God raised him from the dead because he died the death as a substitute for mankind, a sacrifice and a substitute for mankind. The second condition, therefore, is in Romans chapter, nine, Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, which says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as your Lord. What is the result? It meeting those two conditions and the implication thereof, thou shalt be saved. So salvation, redemption, the removal of sin, the gift of righteousness, any and all of those terms apply. You can plug in whichever you want. The fulfillment, the completion of the forgiveness of sins of the Old Testament 
is universal. Conditional, but it's universal. Well, what about sickness? Why does the church argue so much about sickness? Psalm 103, again, says, Forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Why would the all concerning diseases not be as inclusive as the all that's spoken of about iniquities? Forgiveth all our iniquities. Why is that all inclusive? Why is that universal? And the church says that healing, the healing of all our diseases is not universal. How is that possible? How is it the church, and it's the same thing, the church tries to change one of the redemptive names of Jesus from I, I am the Lord that healeth thee to I was the Lord that healeth thee. But the Bible doesn't bear that out. In the same way that, that redemption from sin, the removal of sin is universal but not unconditional, so also is healing from all disease universal but not unconditional. It is conditional. What are the conditions for healing? Well, the conditions for healing are just exactly the same ones as the conditions for the redemption or righteousness, the removal of sin. We've got to believe that Jesus, who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. In other words, to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead concerning sins is the same belief that we have to have concerning sickness. God raised Jesus from the dead because at the same time he paid the price for sin, he took stripes upon his back and shed blood for the healing of all disease. But that's only half the story. Just like that's only one of the two conditions to, for redemption from sin, it's only one of the two conditions for redemption or salvation or healing for the physical body. The second is, just like you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, meaning Savior from sin, you've got to confess Jesus as the healer of your body. Now, does the Bible bear this out? Yeah, it does. Remember Exodus chapter 15, verse 26? God purified the waters, and there he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and he proved them. He said, if you will keep my statutes and walk in my commandments, I will allow none of the sicknesses upon you, literally none of the sicknesses of the world upon you, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Turn with me over to James chapter 5. Here's the ordinance, the New Testament ordinance for the church concerning healing. James chapter 5, verse 14. Is any sick among you? The implication, the question itself implies there shouldn't be. Why? Because God brings, brought the example that we have, the Old Testament example that we have that was fulfilled in Jesus is he brought them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble among them. The church should be able to stand up and say God has brought us out of spiritual death with silver and gold and there's not one feeble among us that's the picture that the old testament paints that is to be fulfilled and was fulfilled in jesus through his sacrifice boy if we could get a hold of that see folks healing has always been the dinner bell so if if from the devil's standpoint from just a, a logistical standpoint if he can stop the healing power of god from being manifest then he can cut down exponentially on the number of people that come into the family of God. So in James 5, 14, did I leave you there? Is any sick among you? They're not supposed to be. Now, don't take that as condemnation. Take that as God's will for you to be healed. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them, the elders, pray over them, him, the sick, 
anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, folks, this word save is the same word over in Romans chapter 10. Uh, Whoever believes in his heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confesses Jesus as Lord shall be saved. This is the same word. And the reason it's the same word is because it was the same action by Jesus on the cross, the shedding of blood on the cross that paid the price for sickness and sin. In other words, healing is just as universal as, as, the, as the removal of sin is, the gift of righteousness is. It's just as universal, and it's just as conditional. Now, we don't look at salvation, what the church world calls salvation, or the gift of righteousness. We don't look at somebody getting saved as a hard thing to do, do we? Anybody ever tell you that it's a good thing to want to get saved, but, man, it's tough to be saved? I sure hope not. If they told you that, they're lying to you. Now, the Bible says, whosoever will. Jesus said, whosoever uh, ever will, let him come unto me. I will in no wise cast him out or turn him away. In other words, it's easy to get saved. Well, it's easy to get saved from sickness, too. Same word. Same action of salvation that removes sin from your life. And replaces it with righteousness, removes sickness from your body, and replaces it with health. And this is an ordinance of the church. In other words, this is how Jesus is the Lord that healeth thee in the church age. It's not the only way to get healed. I don't mean to imply that. But this is an ordinance, and ordinances always work. Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them, the elders, pray over him, the sick, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, notice it's not the oil that does it, it's not the elders that do it. These are important things because people put, you know, it helps to inspire people's faith. And that's fine, don't have any problem with that. But the healing is not in the elders, the healing is not in the oil. The prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. Notice the next part. And if he's committed sins... They shall be forgiven him. Why would um, James, why would James, inspired by the Holy Ghost, throw the forgiveness of sins in there, talking about the church, talking about people that are born again, why would he throw the forgiveness of sins in there along with uh, the, the ordinance of the church concerning healing? Because it's the same work, it's the same sacrifice of Jesus, it's the same shedding of the blood of Jesus that provides forgiveness of sins for those of us that have been redeemed and sin has been removed from our lives, but we sometimes miss it. And the blood of Jesus still cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And notice what does it? The same prayer of faith. Heals the sick and forgives sins. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Both healing and forgiveness or the gift of righteousness is universal. It is not unconditional. But it is universal. But the good news is the conditions are easy to meet. Simple to meet the conditions. Just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. God's Word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
But anytime the word saved is used in the, in the New Testament, it's the word sozo. And it means an inclusive salvation. In other words, an all-encompassing, an all-inclusive work of God that not only provides for the recreation or the redemption of the man, man's spirit and the forgiveness of sins, but also healing for the physical body. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.